Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Shirk, and again, I really appreciate all your support here we got going on. Um, the uh, the happenings of going right now, first of all, my wood stove is cranking like crazy. It's hot as all get out. I just did a podcast with uh, somebody we're going to release in, uh, in a few weeks here, and uh, did the podcast and left the draft open on my stove way too hot. And, uh, you know, of course, didn't get up to, uh, to change that while I'm speaking. And it's now like, I don't know, 75, 80 degrees here in my basement. It's, it's extremely hot. But uh, still burning wood. It's that time of year where it doesn't really make a decision if it wants to be spring or, or winter yet. It's, it's back and forth, and it's kind of annoying. I'd like one or the other and not that in-between sloppy mess we get. But you know what? Sometimes you just don't always get what you want, and that's just the way it is. Um, yeah, other happenings. I've been back to practicing with my guitar, <laughs> and uh, it's so stupid random. The only reason I bring it up is like I've just doing so much other stuff with work, and I got asked to play a song for uh, for an event that's coming up, and uh, I'm like, I don't play this thing that often, and now I'm supposed to play a song for, for a group of people, and it's just like adding one more thing and like I got to make sure I practice this thing enough so I feel comfortable to do this in in front of people on top of everything else all while I really am chomping at the bit to do some some habitat work and some preparations for next year I got some really cool plans in the mix here at my place I decided I was going to invest in uh, putting a conifer border up at a at a section of my my little property here because <clears throat> I I determined that I really need this screening here and even if it's going to take a few years to establish I want a good solid screen and it's going to be added in con- in conjunction with the layers that are already there I have some switchgrass up uh, there's pockets of it that I still plant in or, or portions of that I'll still plan in an annual screening to kind of get layered screening both in height and width. Um, I also, uh, just to try it, uh, a couple years ago I put some miscanthus grass in and I had, uh, the first year I planted, I planted two rows and I had mixed results in the stands. Some of the sections came up 
like crazy, grew really, really well. Other sections are just on behind or didn't come up at all. So then I ended up doing a replant in certain portions the second year. So it's just staggered all over the place. So my screen is like this lopsided mess. And I just decided, you know what, the, the screen is so important that I'm going to add a conifer screening. And I, I got some trees that are a little bit more advanced. Uh, you know, some, some of them are three gallon and some of them are, are 10 gallon trees, um, tree pots that uh, I think are really going to be <clears throat> a benefit to me in the long run. So I want to plant those trees here. I, I want to restructure the design and the feel of how deer enter my property and leave my property uh, in relationship to to food plots and how they'd move. I, I got to restructure some trails. Uh, some of it has just gotten completely annihilated with the falling ash trees. There's dead trees and and you know widow makers hanging all over the place and for one I need firewood. Um, even though I've got it burning like crazy in my in my basement, I still need more. Um, I'll need more next year, so I'll try to be a conservationist and use that firewood for good purpose. But uh, getting it out of there, cleaning it up, and restructuring the trails and the, and the locations where I want. There's a couple trees that I'd like to some living standing trees I'd like to cut and direct deer movements accordingly into this small piece of property and then enhance that movement with some yeah, a changing of mock scrapes. I have a I have a water hole in it at a certain location that I, I think is an added attraction and then just changing the structure of that food plot. So I got all this stuff in my mind. I'm, oh, and by the way, I'm also going to be planting some, some uh, deciduous trees that hopefully in a few years are going to be producing uh, a mast. Uh, one of those things that it's it's kind of like an ice cream crop thing. It's not necessarily a need, but it's things I want to tinker with. It's things I want to try. And, you know, the idea of having um, green food source, mass food source, all in a small location and with high, high attraction in my, my neighborhood, I think that would be something that would be a benefit long term. So I'm uh, I'm excited to do that stuff, but I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to do it. So I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm, I'm working through some stuff, but I think I got some opportunity in March. At least I'm, that's what I'm hoping for, and that's what I'm banking on. So hopefully you guys are able to do the exact same thing and, and get some stuff that fuels you, you know, fuels you, gets you going. Um, I mean, because if you're anything like me, you think about uh, doing that hunting stuff all the time. And, uh, you know, shifting gears, this week we're talking with somebody that's no different, thinks about hunting in some capacity all the time, and is a, is a really good hunter, might I add. Is somebody that has a lot of great stories. I was thankful I got to connect with him, and that is DJ Hoshauer. He has uh, he has a lot of great stories. I connected with him because I wanted to pick his brain on hunting out west and some some mule deer. He has he's had some great mule deer hunting experiences, and uh, has a, a really cool trophy room. I was I was fortunate enough to go over and, and check that out. But we dive into something that is near and dear to me. We've talked about in a couple other episodes here recently because it's it is a hot topic. You know, it's it's hot right now in the you know the press, media, social media type stuff. But it, it's it's popular and relevant for me personally, and that's just hunting in big woods and successful stories in mountain bucks. And DJ killed an absolute fantastic mountain buck, old mature buck this year. Um, it, it was a it was a fantastic eight pointer, and I, I got to hold the rack, and holding that thing was just mind-boggling the mass that it had the tine length and it's just an incredible huge 
beast of a mountain buck. And the the story in listening to him, how he approached that, how he approaches going into the big woods, managing with pressure, just being somewhere in isolation, enjoying that. But uh, not only not only that, but the the emphasis on finding sign and hunting sign and not as you know using trail cameras as a tool but not relying on them and just being a true woodsman you know this show's called the pennsylvania woodsman podcast and it's for those that are, are trying to be a better woodsman and i've got my avenues that i, I think i'm fairly uh, fairly sound in as a woodsman there's other areas that i need some improvement on and that's what this podcast is is hopefully catering to in some degree and dj is somebody who's a fantastic woodsman from from the the side of pennsylvania and hunting mountains and you know he's he's no slouch at anything he goes to because he's driven determined and uh, he puts a lot of hard work into it and sets goals and and works to achieve them and he's just a this is a fun episode it's a great story for me it left me on the edge of my seat as we're going through you know we go down a couple rabbit hole discussions and what we think about deer hunting and and you know, the history of Pennsylvania archery hunting and, or just deer behavior in, in general. But we, we get and lead into uh, the approach and ultimately the, the kill of this fantastic uh, whitetail in Pennsylvania. And you, if you see the pictures on the, on the, uh, the post for this website, it's an impressive, <clears throat> impressive buck. But uh, last thing before we get to this episode, keep in mind, guys, we are in the midst of planning season approaching planting season if you are a food plotter person and uh, you know we've got some episodes you know out now and coming up to to try to help you gear that and make some preparations but i wanted to 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 share with you guys if you're new to this podcast or you haven't listened to too much or you haven't heard me say this before um i i'm i'm an agronomist by trade i work with a lot of farmers and i i tell everybody that if you have questions in getting started with food plots please reach out to me i will gladly help you if you feel i can help you with with any any of your startup things so you know connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. You can also email me at PA Woodsman Podcast at gmail.com. PA Woodsman Podcast is PA, not Pennsylvania, PA Woodsman Podcast at gmail.com. You can send questions on any of those things. I try to do my best and respond to everybody and help you. And it's been a joy getting to connect with you guys and help you see your success unfold the past few years since uh, since we're doing this podcast and i want to continue to be a resource if that's something i can be but you know we've got a lot of people coming up on the show here um, not to give any spoiler alerts but people that are in the same capacity to have a ton of knowledge will be glad to help you so uh, I, I leave that with you but let's get back and go to this episode with dj i think you're really really going to enjoy it i know i enjoyed bringing it to you so here we go You know, we're sitting here at DJ Hoshauer's uh, fantastic basement. I'm looking around at, at a wall full of memories, some some great bucks, and you know, uh, DJ. First of all, thanks for for coming on and, and chatting chatting with us and having me over at your your wonderful house. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Anytime we can talk hunting, uh, I'm 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 all in, especially when it's February. And the only thing you can do now is dream about the upcoming season. Dream about. It. I mean, we, we I was talking with some buddies i was at the show uh, i was just at this uh, harrisburg show with i was talking with and i asked him I was like hey have you, have you been out scouting I'm like i don't know it's show season i've been doing this and i'm like 
yeah, I've had other stuff too. And like, it, it's, that's where my mind is, but you know, life is pulling strings at other places. But now we, uh, you know, talking about hunting, uh, that, that first time you and I connected, you and I connected through a, a mutual friend and, uh, it, I reached out to you about hunting out West. Cause that's something I'd like to do in a little bit greater capacity at some point in my life. But I think the first day we were talking, we were like on the phone for like an hour and a half, just yakking about out West. I was like, yeah, this is the kind of guy that I enjoy talking hunting. Yeah. With. I appreciate it, man. You know, it's, uh, I take my hunting seriously, but uh, definitely that's all I think about. You know, right now it's – I'm thinking about spring turkeys. You yeah. know, I have a good buddy that's that's uh, big into spring turkeys, and I told him today, I said, man, I said, I got all these calls, and I yet want to buy another one. You know, it's like uh, – but it's western application season, and mm-hmm. last year I was telling you when we were on the phone, it was the first time in 10 years I didn't draw a tag. I was over five or six states. Wow. And I kept trying to pick one up and just never had the luck, and – so um, this year I know I can draw a couple, mm-hmm. uh, at least one or two. So that's what I'm looking forward to doing. Good deal. Yeah, the uh, the oh, the Western hunting and that whole game of of the, the tag playing and stuff like that, for me it's extremely overwhelming. You know, I, I, I told you before and I've echoed it so much on this episode. And, you know, my phase of life, you know, I, I've got strings pulling a couple different, you know, angles from career and, you know, the age of my family and stuff. But, it, you know, that's one of those things that it's on my mind and I want to start a process of going through it. And you kind of dove into that, like, what, 10 years ago or something yeah, like that? Yeah, 2012, I had a buddy just on a whim said, hey uh, – I'm looking at doing some high country mule deer hunting, and of course he's showing me pictures, and I'm like, well, oh, that sounds cool, but I always wanted to hunt elk, and I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's an over-the-counter elk unit, and I just thought, you know what, opportunity doesn't always come. I always wanted to hunt the West. I always wanted to hunt elk, um, and I just thought, I better jump at this, and we ended up buying landowner tags, and back then they were more reasonable than they are now, Okay. and uh, that's how we got our, our tag. He had a connection. And uh, anyway, we went out there and ended up shooting. I ended up shooting my first elk. He got a mule deer. I missed a mule deer, but it hooked me. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, what hooked me more than anything was the high country mule deer. And okay. That that since this day, like when we went out there, we had a three or four year plan. I thought, man, three or four years probably learning an area. Um, I knew how to hunt and and, and kill whitetails and hunt in the east and. It's just different in the West, and it's not that. And if a Western guy came East, it's different for him. So yeah. you got to learn your quarry. You got to learn that it's a completely set of rules. You know, a different set of rules. And uh, I, I was joking around. I always tell him, like, man, if we had any idea what we were doing in those first couple of years, we could have killed a few smashers. That, the first ones, are, first years are always <laughs> the best ones because that's where you make your most yeah. mistakes and have the best yep. ones. Could have got away. Yep. And we always were, we still were successful. Um, and then it took me my fourth year that this buck over here was the the big clean four by four I killed, which there. is a, a dandy of a deer. I mean, yeah. his his twos with those forks. I mean, you, I'm, am I exaggerating to say that on that right side's like a 15 inch, 16 inch two? He's uh, if you go from the base, it's it's a bit, a bit like 20, 21. Is it really? Yeah, oh my gosh. on the back on the outside. Right. So you see that week one the year before he was better. I hunted that deer three years. Okay. I found him in 20, I tug out in 2013. Mm-hmm. I found him. My buddy, I put him on, my buddy on him the last day. He didn't get him. 2014, I found him. Another guy blew him out on me. And then that buck I showed you upstairs um, that I said was the first, like, decent, respectable looking one I got. I got him in a perfect stalking spot. And I thought, well, geez, this buck just got blown out yesterday. Is he mm-hmm. going to come back? So I killed that buck. Mm-hmm. The next year, I found this buck again. And that's all I dreamed about for a year was 
is he alive? And if he is, that's what I'm hunting. And the year before, those back tines were the same, and he had flyer. He had cheaters coming off both back. You could see where there's a little bump on the outside. Right. He didn't grow them that year, but he tried to. Mm. But he was a the year before would have been a touch over 200. He was <sighs> he was 198 when I shot him there. So yeah, and like when I when I stepped in your house and, and was looking at your first one, you're like, yeah, this is a respectable buck. And I was looking at that deer, I was like, that is everything I have in my mind, like just shooting a, a good buck like that. But that that is a pretty re- representative of of a younger deer, but a, a good buck. I mean, it was yeah. like a 150 tight buck, maybe a little bit better. But I mean, in my mind, that that's fantastic. And I'm I'm down here looking at the rest of them, like. Jeez, and Pete, this guy's got some big mule deer. This is this is pretty dang cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, anyway, that the whole, I I love hunting the high country, and I think I'll I'll probably be back there this year. Ho- hopefully, good. You do, do you have any specific like? So you said you could probably draw a couple tags. So like when you were looking at all, all the potential options, you'd have five, six tags or whatever. Like, do do you have something that you or a place you favor going to more just out of out of enjoyment or? Or is there something you're you're looking to drive to do to get better in, in a sense of a of a location or learn a place better? Um, so Colorado, I mean, I that's the king of mule deer for okay. all states. You can shoot a big one in any state. I mean, you saw my Nevada buck up there. Yeah. But there's more of them, and they're you can they say throw a dart at the map. It's true. That doesn't mean you're going to find one. It doesn't mean you're going to see one. But the last couple of years, it hasn't hunted the same. You know, um, in some of these high country units hiking and recreation has become so big that it's getting a lot of extra people and hikers are getting off trails now. Mm. Um, and they're, they have just as much right, right to be well, there certainly. as I do. But when you've watched a buck for, uh, the last time out, I was 2020. So last time I was out there, no, I'm sorry, 2021. Okay. And I tried a brand new unit. Um, and I found, uh, yeah, I'm guessing, actually I'll show you pictures of them then. I was guessing right around 190. Uh, really nice mule deer and then there was a giant three by three with him like baseball bats coming off his head mass older old deer you know didn't have genetics but just again i could show you a picture of him later yeah and uh a hunter blew that that 190 buck out and i was hunting right on the boundary of two units and he won the other unit i'm like man that buck and that was day four or so and i was like "Mm, that hurt so the guy had no idea that I was watching this other buck who was in the other unit. Well, I saw him coming into my unit, and I saw him bed on the backside of this cliff, and I thought, boy, this could really play out good. So I hiked over there, and on the way over, I'm looking back, and I see someone following me, and I'm like, where'd this person come from, and what are they doing? And I realized it's a hiker. And so the new thing is they just, I don't want to say new now, but new for the last five, six years, they just want to hike peaks no trails just every peak around they're going to hike and do as many as they can in a day so i'm like i'm watching him like i'm gonna have to talk to him and just chance that he's not anti-hunter or is gonna be you know a jerk to me and i talked to him he's like oh yeah my buddy's coming too he's like i'll stay away and i was like all you got to do is just stay on the right side of the the ridge i'm like you don't have to go down the mountain just stay out of sight in the right yep we'll do that so i saw him go talk to his buddy and i wanted to get in on my stalk i found the buck bedded below this cliff wind in my face i mean it was a dream stalk mm-hmm. and i'm working my way in and next thing you know him and six bucks blow out of there and i look over and those hikers came over the ridge and just blew them out of there on purpose mm. and i was just uh after spending at that point that was after the 190 buck that wasn't the same day i think i said it was the same day it was like a day or two later mm. it was a week up there and to get a buck in the right place a killable spot 
and for him to get blown out of there by some hikers that just didn't care what I was doing just it hurt oh, you know definitely. and and I have a I have a buddy that lives in Colorado who's a big hunter and uh some of the other units that I was hunting that's how I ran into him you know we met on the mountain and and uh he was having the same issues so we always joke now that we're going to start hunting areas that are ugly so people aren't hiking and going on vacation on them and but uh talk about another variable that you wouldn't you know wouldn't think about you know you talk about all the aspects and variables that you get you try to control and look at whether you're hunting whitetails out here or you're hunting out west that's typically not one you hear about a lot no no it's it's well we were like let's because the sagebrush country holds bucks too right. you know it's just there's just something awesome about going up to 12 13,000 feet and hunting those high outbound mm-hmm. basins um and it's a tough hunt uh but it, to me, it got into my blood, you know, and that now I'm like, eh. I was thinking about going, I actually have some spots that I think would be pretty good. And I got a little bit of inside information that they hold some good bucks, mm-hmm. but I'm like, the high country's calling me. So I think that's probably, I'll just deal with it. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, well, there's the aspect of, of, uh, you know, hunting new places and hunting, uh, hunting specific deer, specific caliber deer. And then there's the other side of the adventure and what, what where it's calling you to be and i mean that's kind of how i am too when i compare um hunting in southern pennsylvania for whitetails versus hunting in northern pennsylvania just the, t- the terrain and the, the places but we we, uh, we quickly got off on uh, on our, our hunting tangents like we're gonna we're gonna do but I, I did a very poor job of introducing you and and talking about you know your upbringing through hunting and stuff and i'd yep. love to give you the opportunity to do that yeah no problem um <clears throat> grew up hunting pennsylvania you know and even though i love the west that's still i still love that's where you pennsylvania. cut your teeth yeah. i cut my teeth uh we had a cabin up in the northern part of pennsylvania love going up there with the family still love going up there with the family i was able to get my own cabin just a half a mile from where my uh you know family's camp's been so we still hunt together and hang mm-hmm. out together um but you know i hunt down here in southeast just like you you know um but i love hunting up there uh but yeah, I mean, I've just always loved the outdoors, love the woods. You know, I'm there as much as I can, mm. and uh, I, I think over time, I, I love being out there so much and love chasing whitetails that there was a progression. You know, right? Like the, when you first start hunting, it's like, man, I want to get a deer. You know, mm-hmm. and then then it's, well, I want to get a buck, and maybe your first deer was a buck. Then it's like, oh, I want to get a nice racked buck, and then it was, well, I want to get the biggest buck, and then it was, man, how many years in a row can I get a buck? And I think now I'm at the point that, well, for a while, about the last two decades, I like to try to find one buck I want to hunt and kill him, you know. And it, it seems to be the progression, and uh, it also seems that within some people, there's a, there's kind of a plateauing with that. Like, you, you go through that progression, it, it gives you the drive, and you keep going to that next thing, and you get to a certain point within uh, – your hunting career and some people plateau and kind of coast off. And the one, one thing I've really noticed, like talking with you and talking about uh, whether that's just, you know, targeting whitetails out here or targeting specific deer out, out West um, mule deer hunting and stuff like that. Like your, your level of intensity and the way you approach it. Like I, I love that because to, to me, intensity drives, um, drives motivation. In a lot of people, like I, I talk with, uh, with some, some friends of mine there and they say to me, like, you know, I'm motivated by how much you, you talk about the, the enthusiasm you have in that. And I, I kind of get that from, from you too. Talk a little bit about 
the the transition. I'd like to go back out west for just a second because I'm just I'm just infatuated with your mule deer and, and talking about this because um, you said that that took hold of you and like your, your drive and how you were approaching um, doing it on your own and 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 glassing the, the the changes you had from hunting east to hunting big high country west. Like, but the the level of drive and 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 stuff just is impressive to me. Ah, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, like I said, I take everything seriously and it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, work or, you know, trying to be a dad or a friend or, you know, do it the best you can do it, you mm -hmm. know, um, and, and it's the same with hunting. So, uh, I, I think, you know, for me, I just like to set goals. You know, if I set goals, that's sort of where I'm working, working towards, you know, and, and we have dreams, you know, and, and I think dreams are possible, you know, they got to be realistic, but, you know, for me, if I find a big buck, you know, the dream's very re mm. realistic. Um, but out west, yeah, I mean, oh, the thing I was telling you earlier, you know, me and my buddy that first went out there together in 2012, we thought it would take about four years to figure it out and kill a really good buck. And I had the fourth thing was 12, 13. So I killed that one in 15. I hunted him three years. Well, okay. I found him, hunted him legit. And then uh, 14 and then 15, I killed him. I think it was the fourth day of the season. So you were on that deer for three years. Yeah, before I found you him. him. I killed my buck in 2013. I kept scouting. Yeah, and that's the thing out there. I kept scouting even after I had my, you know, ripped my tags the prior year. You were talking about scouting yeah. too when you're going out with yep. your family on vacation. Yeah. So well, yeah, we took the I took the family out on vacation um, twice, and I'd get up at three o'clock in the morning just to hike two hours in to get to a glassing spot and just glass the first hour, hour and a half, run off the mountain and get back for you know nine o'clock breakfast or whatever. Right. Because I wanted to learn area, I wanted to try to find bucks, and and that's the only way I knew how. You know, it was either not go, and it doesn't help me at all, or I went. So, um, but I love doing it. I mm -hmm. mean, does it stink getting up at three o'clock? Yeah, you know. But you know, it's awesome when you're glassing up mule deer and elk, and you know, better like, believe it. You know, it's it, for me. I mean, I just love doing it. You know, so. But I guess I am intense, and sometimes when I take my daughters out, I gotta learn to back off, and you know, because uh, to them it's it's fun. You know, my daughter, my youngest daughter, shot her first buck this year. Okay. And I killed that big buck that I guess we're gonna talk about then. But you know, that was man, I was just as pumped up for that as I was my big buck. And we were talking about progressions of a hunter. Like now, I think I'm at the point point that I still love targeting bucks, but I love helping people now. Like now, people that didn't have that chance to walk up on a on a big buck or any buck, like for me to see them have that same feeling that I had and then I could be a part of it, like means a lot to me, man. Like, Yeah, you and me both. Like this year I had uh, I'd taken – so my sister-in-law decided she wanted to go hunting for the first time this year. They bought a, they bought a property, had 20-some uh, acres and, you know, full of deer, and she's like, I, I want you to take me. I want to shoot my first deer. Okay, and we did this. Well, she ended up, like, going hunting literally three days and shooting three deer, filling wow. every single tag. It was a freak of a, of a, a hunt. I think she had five sits in. I think the first day we went, she sat morning and evening. The, the first morning she, she shot a buck and hit it, you know, backstrapped it, and, you know, we, we watched it go, and I had to explain to her what happened and, and, you know, why we didn't get that deer and stuff. And that evening she ended up shooting a doe and, and you know, smoked it, put a great shot on the, the next day we went hunting would have been the opening day rifle. She shoots her first buck in the, on the, the evening. So that was four sits, two deer in two days. And then uh, she went out in the late season and killed one. But it was like seeing her, like, develop as on And then the cool part about it was, you know, she – 
she butchered the last two herself. You know, oh, wow. skinned it and butchered it herself. And it was like just seeing that part of it was so different because because again, I, I'm I'm like you, like thinking about one soul deer and going after that, that that's something that eats at you too, but That'll make you nuts. It'll make <sighs> you crazy. <laughs> it, it does. And I'm trying to I'm trying to calm that crazy yep. just because of the, the the family aspect right. of it too. But Yeah, I mean it just uh I, I went up to camp uh two weekends ago mm-hmm. and had a little bit of snow on the ground, maybe four inches, three, four inches, sort of packed. And I'm like, yeah, I went up Wednesday night. I was going to be there through Sunday. I had a couple of buddies coming up Friday night. So I had a day, day and a half by myself. And I thought, I'm just going to relax. You know, I'm just going to hang out at camp. I'm not going to do anything. Well, 730, the first day I'm there. What am I doing? Put my backpack and my boots on. I got to go see if my second buck from last year, if I can find sheds. And uh, they dropped sort of early up there this year. I have a, a, mm-hmm. a friend up there that's a local. Probably, honestly, spends 200 days a year in the woods. He's He's... He's retired, but just loves nature. Mm. And I think he found 11 right around New Year's. Wow. 11 sheds. And then he had some health issues, so he hasn't really been out since. But I did find a big track. Uh, I found where where he was hanging. I found where the deer were feeding. They were in there heavy. And I found several areas where he had the ground pulled out. And a really big track. And I knew his track from when I ran cameras on him. Uh, He was going to be my backup buck to the buck I ended up shooting. But... I think it's him, but I don't know for a fact, but mm-hmm. you don't see many tracks the size of the one he has, so I'm really praying it's him. But anyway, <laughs> you're going back to scouting. It's like, you know, so already that's what I'm thinking about for next year. I'm like, yeah, did he make it? You yeah. know, and, and I, I'm hoping he did. It's been a mild winter. Yeah. You know, you don't know if he got shot, but uh, finding that track on the same ridge he was running, you know, was already has me looking forward to maybe running some cameras in, in mid-July. It's usually when I start. And, okay. Uh, yeah, I was actually kind of was going to ask you because the the buck that you killed this year, which was, I mean, a heck of a deer, especially for for you know the atmo- the how do I want to word this the the atmosphere that you were hunting in the lo- you know, location, you know that's a, that's a heck of a buck in Pennsylvania. So congratulations, and I was really curious, like that that deer you said, you know, you got hooked on targeting targeting whitetails, and I right. love those stories. So like, how many years of history did you have with this buck leading up to this year? Yeah, so this buck's sort of unique um, in the fact that the story, when I thought it was concluded, when I killed him, actually concluded just two weekends ago when I was up and I went to my buddy's house. He's a big shed hunter. Okay. And he had sheds from that deer from uh, 2000. They were 2017 sheds, but he found them in the spring of 18. Okay. And he found them. Um, I had my rack, and we put them up right next to the rack. Now, the rack itself wasn't as big, but they... I mean, they were identical match to the bumps, um, to exactly how they ran. And he goes, I don't know where you shot this buck. He goes, but I want to tell you where I found him. And he told me where he found him, and it was a couple miles from where I shot him. Okay. So, And up there, a couple miles is nothing. Like the, this buck I was hunting, in the summertime, I had him three straight line miles in the air. He was moving at least that far. Mm. Um, I picked him up on, uh, we had him on camera up there. Yeah. the one I thought I had had him zeroed in from what I knew the year before. And then uh, my buddy asked me, he goes, hey, I have a couple extra cameras. Where do you think I should run them? I'm like, yeah, I run them out this ridge. And he texted me, he goes, um, your buck was just all the way out this ridge. I'm like, come on, man. And I actually got depressed because I was like, if that buck's moving that much in the summer, what's he going to do come, you know, the season when, when they start rutting, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but ended up figuring it out. Uh, I actually didn't hunt out there at all. 
uh, I believe his area got smaller, uh, which is usually the opposite. But I think he his area got smaller from what I was seeing on him, you know, this season. What's pretty pretty fun when you have uh, when you have pretty good history with uh, a deer or a location or a farm or something like that, and you have the ability to put the pieces of the puzzle together for certain deer. I can think of a couple deer in particular that. <clears throat> um, one in particular, it wasn't a deer I killed, it was uh, a deer that my buddy killed that I hunt with. Uh, it was a deer that we had pictures of. We would never have pictures of him in the off season. We, we would not have those summertime velvet pictures of him. We would not have um, him, him developing antlers. Um, it was, it would, he would always show up at some point throughout archery season, and when he was there, he stayed. And he stayed pretty consistent throughout that season. We'd even have pictures of him going into late season. We'd shed, and it was the same thing over again. That happened at least two, but I think it was three seasons. And uh, it seemed like that that fall shift that he did, wherever he summered, mm-hmm. um, and his fall shift was, was was right where we were, and we ended up uh, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And, and my, my buddy killed him. It was a, a heck of a deer. I think it... Um, I think he sent the tooth in on that buck. It was a it was a five year old deer, according to that. So I mean, we couple years of history leading up to that mature buck. But I've seen that a, a couple times, and even my big one that I killed in 2020, I would never see that deer in the neighborhood if I was glassing, driving around in bean fields. I would never see him on my cameras in my area. But it was this specific time frame. Um, he did this the one year specific time frame. He showed up. And he, he'd be there for, you know, 24 to 36 hours in the small wood lot. And then he was gone for a week. And then he'd do it again. And it was, like, from the end of October through uh, mid-November. And then he was gone. And then I had him show up uh, late season in January for, like, a two-week duration doing the same thing. And that was it. And that's kind of all I had to go on going in. And I ended up seeing that similar pattern the next year when I killed him. And I find that a lot and i'd be curious if you find stuff like that too and the way they shift or or is it completely different in some of the atmospheres that you're 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 hunting um no i mean i see that a lot i mean i don't know uh i think there's a lot of factors that come down to it and it all depends where you're hunting but um i mean i've had farms here local where the year prior was terrible Mm. and you're like this next season's going to be no good and then all of a sudden all these big shooters show up out of nowhere Mm. um you know, up around camp in the big woods there, um, really, uh, that I was telling you about my buddy, I've become pretty close friends with. And over the years, like when we first sort of bumping each other in the woods, we didn't share any information. Right. And then you sort of realize that, hey, we're like the same person here and we become friends. Well, we share maybe not exact spots now if we're hunting the same areas, but we show each other pictures of deer that have super unique racks. And, it, and I don't even mean they're always big. And yeah. I cannot believe how much those deer move up there. Mm-hmm. And it's not every year. Like, we just had one last year. I had him two years ago summering uh, between four and five straight mile, straight line miles away, including across, like, a major land feature. And I was like, why would a deer move his summer range that far up there? And he ha- where he left had more food. <laughs> than, oh. oh, it had more food. Yeah, so... But he was super unique. There was no denying it was him. And I went back. I can show you pictures now. And you'd be like, yep, 100% same deer. Then there was another deer I showed him. And he goes, well, that can't be. And I'm like, this is where I told him where I got him. We were hunting the same. I said, I got him in here one time this year. I'm like, you ever see this buck? Super unique. Like, he goes, I just had him. And he showed me a picture. He goes, I forget how many miles it was out there. He goes, hit a scrape last night. Mm. 
<laughs> he goes, I pulled the card yesterday, or I guess it would have been the night prior. He pulled the card yesterday, was looking at it, and even the buck that I killed this year, he found the sheds on the spring of 18. He hunted him in that area for one or two years, and then he said it disappeared. Well, I was hunting a couple miles outside of that area sporadically. Like, I move around a lot. I never, most of these bucks I never kill even on the same mountain. It's Mm -hmm. like I get in there, I do my thing, and then I go elsewhere. And I was running cameras in there. I killed one nice buck, maybe three-quarters of a mile from I killed this buck this year in 2019. That was the first year I hunted it. Never hunted that area. I ran cameras in there in 19 and 20, never saw that deer. In 21, I was scouting, and I started seeing like big monster rubs and i'm like dude there's a really good buck in here and i hunted him that would have been in 21 and i only picked him up on camera one time and uh that was the only time but i knew i mean sign doesn't lie big track big tracks don't lie big heavy deep tracks don't lie a big big rub doesn't lie like you know you don't have a 105 inch deer you know tearing a three foot you know, up and down tree or, you know, the size of your, your leg. Yeah. You know, at you know. the, you know, waist <laughs> yeah, high or something right, like that. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he lost that deer that for whatever reason, that deer just decided I'm out of here. And he came over to my area for, you know, and it benefited me, you know? And so last year I didn't kill him. That was, uh, I might've got ahead of myself there, but you were asking me earlier the history of that buck. So I'll back it up a little bit. So I loved hunting up North. And that's where I grew up hunting. And then there in the early 2000s, they, well, anybody that knows the Northern Woods of PA used to have a lot of a lot of deer. Yeah. Oh, tons. You, you, you shot an eight-pointer with a 15-inch spread. That was a monster in the 90s, 80s, 70s. Absolutely. Spike bucks and four points and, you know, doe were abundant. Well, when they hammered them pretty good there in the 2000s, it got bad up there. Okay. And, uh. And my dad had some health issues and, you know, one of them, you know, my best friend has a, has a lease in Western Pennsylvania. We got in that lease and I sort of stopped hunting up there. It was easier for my dad. The hunting was better. Um, I didn't stop, stop, but I didn't hunt it like I was hunting it. Mm-hmm. And then I started going up and scouting and, and I'm like, man, there's some really, you know, good bucks up here, you know? Yeah. And then eventually in 2016, me and my dad said, we, we missed, we missed being at camp. We met, well, let's go back. Let's, let's go back. Let's hunt, hunt. Up at camp, let's hunt the big woods. I, I think hunting out west, I was I was missing the Pennsylvania adventure of mm. going to camp and 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 anybody that knows about having a hunting camp, man, it's an adventure, you know. So, uh, I just love roaming the big woods. I mean, the, the downside is it's public, you know, all kinds of things can happen. But the the upside is you got hundreds of thousands of acres, you know, between game lands and state forests and, uh, you know, what have you. But so in 2017, my dream always growing up was to, I shot some okay bucks, you know, but I never shot one of those bucks that you dream about, right? Yeah. Like, like coming out, of, coming out of the big woods, like ones growing up in my mind, I always had these like visions of big bucks and I'd find a big rub and I'd be like, I wonder what that buck was, but they didn't have cameras back in the nineties, you know, and yeah. then even early two thousands, the cameras were okay, but not, not like we have now. So in 2017, my goal was, I'm going to get serious and, you know let's let's get it going i went up there and that first year i was lucky enough to to shoot one in rifle it was that buck right there he's okay. up at camp i have that mount at camp um i was hunting with my cousin that day um i shot him so the first year 
I thought it would take five years. You know, yeah. the first year I got I got him. I had an encounter in archery with a really, really big buck and I had him quartering to me at twenty six yards and I was like, just be patient, you know, don't force the shot and smart. It yeah. it was raining and he was coming to me and I was like, Don't force a shot and he was he was really big. Let's just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And uh I was hunting him and uh uh he that wind swirled and anybody that hunts the mountains I should have known that. I got so focused on just be patient and just wait. I wasn't thinking it's raining. I wasn't thinking about he's been down there grooming himself and just hanging out for two or three minutes. Like, your wind is not going to hold. Anybody that hunts the mountains knows your wind, it swirls. Mm -hmm. It's going to. And he caught my wind, and I'd never seen a buck do this. He swirled, and I was in a select cut, so I could see up from my tree. I could see hundreds of yards. And I saw that buck run 400 yards and never stopped. Never snorted, never did that little 20, 30-yard bound and looked back and snorted again. And run. He turned around, snorted, and ran as far as I could see, and he never stopped running. And I was like, that sort of ripped my heart out. Well, and i I, I got to <laughs> stop you there because one thing that, that stands in my mind, I talked about this with one of my buddies before. He, he always tells this story of, <clears throat> I, I think it, it was something along the lines that he and his dad used to uh, right around lunchtime in archery season, they'd always get together, eat lunch at a stump together, and then they'd go back out to their stands. And I think he was walking to the spot where they meet, and he could see uh, where his dad was in the stand, maybe a hundred some yards away. And he always tells a story. He watched this buck come up this ridge, and where the buck came from would have been downwind of his dad. And I'm going to say that this was somewhere between 100 and 150 yards. You know, there's laurel, there's there's terrain, there's stuff that is impeding him from seeing the deer. But my buddy can see this happening, unfolding. And he said he watched that buck come up the ridge, lock up, stop, stick his nose in the air, and just turn around and walk away. And I, I say all this because what you were talking about with the, the hunting changing up, up in northern Pennsylvania, we went from having a ton of deer and, and this and that to, you know, for years the the, the the conversation has been there's no deer up there. There's no mm-hmm. deer up there. And uh, even in, in, in my camp, like I, I remember guys talking about there's no deer up there. No, and one thing that stands out to me is at that time frame, everybody went hunting up north. All right. the hunting pressure was up there. And, like, I, I remember stories of my dad talking about, the, the sun rising and you look and it's a pumpkin patch everywhere and you can walk miles and you're just seeing guys constantly. And I think about that level of hunting pressure, like you were bumping deer constantly. Right. And I still say to this day, if you had that level of hunting pressure in some of those places in the Northwoods, I'm not saying you're going to see those 40, 50, 60 deer numbers, but I think, I personally believe you would see more deer, but I think it's because of the lack of hunting pressure I feel it's so much easier for a deer to do exactly what you just experienced with that that buck that smelled you, ran 400 yards, and you never saw him again. Like, I think deer are busting you, and you don't even know it in those settings. I would I would agree with there's definitely deer that are going to smell you. I mean, I've, I've seen it when you can see. Like, sometimes I'm in a select cut, and, like, when you're on the ground, you can't see very far. But when you're up in your tree, mm-hmm. you can see. Um, I still think, though, that, that's not nearly what it used to be. Right. Even even the last couple of years, the winter two years, I think it was two years ago, that bad winter when it was like 30 inches up there for four months, that really hurt. Yeah, right. Um, what you're, I think if you got these guys, there's so many clear cuts going in now. That's why these bucks are getting big. They're true, getting age. They're getting age. You that's know? where we kill a lot um, of deer too. Yeah. yeah, they're in the clear cut, and if you don't go in, they're not coming out. Yeah. You know, um, 
meaning if you don't have guys walking around pushing them, um, they're not coming out. Um, at least over our way, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, that's uh, very. Uh, yeah, I think know. that's similar to what I would experience um, too. Because I, as much as I'm in the woods, um, scouting mm-hmm. the trail cams, I'm running. I'm very familiar with multiple different areas. And then I was telling you, my buddy up there, who's in the woods, a lot. Mm-hmm. If he was seeing deer, or more deer, or I was seeing more deer, then you could be like, "Well, I'm just not in the right spot, or they're not moving here." But you know, honestly, that sort of helped me kill my buck this year, okay. you know, it, it, the lack of deer, um, because uh, I, I took a little bit different approach. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to go off on that right now, but uh, we were just talking about the deer. You're, you're right. There's still guys hunting up there, sure. but definitely not in the amounts of, you know, in years past. But I will say this, the guys I am seeing hunting up there now are more serious. Mm. Like I think what you had back – uh, you know, when our dads grew up, or even when I was young, it was everybody went up there for rifle season. They right. did their couple day thing, and then they went home. Archer season, you never saw anybody. Man, I'm seeing all kinds of cameras. Guys are taking vacations. So I think the overall no- hunting numbers are down, but the more serious hunters are there. And and uh, there's always ways to get around that. Um, but I think there's still guys that are there's more serious guys hunting i believe you know i believe that and they're usually good guys like when you bump into them everybody's pretty respectful like you know i haven't i don't even want to jinx myself but i haven't dealt with too many you know uh, guys that have no respect if you beat them into a spot or something you know but generally i try not to hunt an area i'd rather hunt one deer alone than hunt four big bucks with one other guy that isn't Let's just say we're not going to work together and stay out of each other's hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know if that makes sense. So, it and, you does. know, it's it's not that, you know, I don't want anybody else to shoot a big buck. It's that part of my enjoyment of hunting remote country is solitude. Yeah. You know, you know you're not hearing any horns beeping. And uh, I just love hearing the, you know, you hear the crows or the ravens or the blue jays and coyotes howling. And there's something to be said about that. But For sure. Yeah, to jump back in, though, on – I was saying I shot that buck in 17, and then yeah. in 18 I had an Iowa tag, um, so I didn't hunt. That was probably the best year I had for a bunch of really good bucks up there, and I never got the chance to hunt it because I was in Iowa for two weeks. And the, be- the be- early season I had some work stuff, and I think I had some out west stuff going on, so mm-hmm. I just didn't have the time. Um, 19, I bought – uh, my cabin that was only a half mile from my family's cabin I grew up, which was nice. And then I killed, oh, I killed that buck. I don't know if you could see him yeah, there I with see. the green yeah. hat. Wow. Um, anyway, that's where I was going with this story. So I killed him about three quarters of a mile from where I got mine this year. So that's the closest two big ones I shot. Mm. But anyway, when I was going back with my big one there, he didn't come in there until 21. You know, so last year where I was hunting him, I knew he was there, but I just felt like I wasn't on him. And, and it was a tough season. I thought I saw him maybe once. I had a really big eight come by, running a doe. Um, and it was, you heard the grunting. I heard the leaves rustling. I grabbed my bow, saw a big shooter buck. And as quick as I saw him, him and the doe were by me and they were gone. You know, was it him? I'm not 100% sure. It was either him. There was another pretty good eight in there. But uh, at the, I guess... Oh, and rifle last year, I went out with my daughter, uh, ended up killing one in rifle. And uh, she, I think she missed, 
she missed one. Um, where we hunt, it's pretty thick. So okay. I probably should have had her like on an 06 or 30-30 shooting a 243. And she tried to squeeze one in, and there was just some saplings she didn't see. Um, but anyway, I was tugged out, and the last weekend of rifle, I was up there, and I was like, man, I got to I gotta figure this buck out. Like that's all I kept thinking about was this, yeah. you know, this buck I was on. And I went out scouting, and I found this one area, and I didn't know if he was in there. I didn't even run cameras in there, and I was like, it just – Something just hit home with me with it. I was like, man, I got to get in here last year. Like, I, I, I can't believe I overlooked this area. I was like, I, I knew it was up there. It was a different ridge. and I, I, But I was like, I, I don't know what I was thinking not going over there. But I thought, I saw some good rubs down on the one side of the, uh, of the ridge. But I just loved the way it set up. I knew I could keep the wind pretty decent. Um, I knew I could get in and out of it reasonably decent. Um, but I just had this feeling like it just reminded me of, other areas i don't want to say that area but it just seemed like a kill spot that's what it seemed like to me so fast forward to this year i waited till mm, mid-july is usually when i'll start running cameras like i don't run them any earlier that's just my preference okay i don't want to burn myself out um you know by that time you're going to know what's going to be at least big or not you know they might obviously they got a month to grow but uh so i threw some out and i picked them up right away um where I was hunting him the year prior. So I, I had, where I was hunting him the year prior, I had a couple cameras in that area. And then the area I found in rifle season, um, at the end of the previous rifle season, I put a couple cameras in there. And right where I thought it was going to be good, I never got them. I never got them in the summer. I never got them in September. I never got them in, well, halfway through October. Um, from where that spot was, it was about another, I guess I got on X maps. It was like, if you just straight line it, it was about 700 yards down the ridge. I got him in there a couple times in August and it was just tough to get in and out of that spot. I'm like, he's, he's gotta be back there where I'm not picking him up. So I went in there the first week of the season. Archery season. Archery season. Yeah. Yeah. Went into the first week and I found one rub in between those spots that I looked at it, and he he always rubbed the same kind of trees, you know, like same rub, <laughs> different spots. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking, and I'm seeing tines hitting nine inches behind the tree, and I'm like, oh, there's no other buck up here. Like, that's, that's him. Mm. And I'm like, who cares if you don't have a picture? Like, I know he's here. Like, that's just what my gut was telling me. But now, you know, you see a rub like that. I'm like, that's him. Like, that's – so – Still didn't get him. And then that, uh, I was getting him on the other ridge, so I knew he was there, but I just didn't feel confident that I could kill him there. Like, I thought there was a chance. I just didn't, I didn't think that it was the spot I needed to be in. And I'm getting to my strategy that I take in the big woods now is I try to find a spot when I'm hunting a buck that I think I can kill him. And they move around so much that, I try to hunt the same two stands as much as I can. And I know okay. that that goes against what you should do. Like if you were hunting farm country, right. you're, you're never doing that. But because there's so few deer and I can get in and out of these spots without spooking anything and keep my scent down, to me, if you start moving around everywhere, eh, you're taking the chance that when you're zig- zigging, he's zagging. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, I just thought if I can get in and out of this spot as much as I can, within reason, you know, um, at the right time, that's the other thing, you know, you want to go at the right time. Like, obviously, I'm not going to go 
75 degrees October 13th and, and just keep hunting these areas. But when I thought he was going to be killable, when I thought he was going to daylight, that that's when I was going to make my move. So I think it was around that muzzleloader bear and doe. Yeah. Um, I was a little nervous. Uh, some of the state forests, they're opening up their roads up there now. And I'm like, <clears throat> they, they're they opening up roads. And he, he wasn't necessarily real close, but he wasn't necessarily real far from one of these roads. And I thought, mm, I know – excuse me, I know guys are driving for bear and stuff, and I'm like, man, I'm just praying he doesn't get bumped. And I hunted up there, um, I think that opening muzzleloader day at bear for him. Didn't really see many guys, so I was like, well, let's hope this week goes good. But the end of that season, you have the senior rifle, Mm -hmm. and I think the junior rifle. And then I was going to be on vacation from, I think, the 22nd to like the 5th of November. (coughs) So... I went up there, I think I found two more rubs. In the meantime, oh, I found two more rubs down where I wasn't picking them up on camera, and I was like, man, I, I, I got I got to get in here. Like, he's here. I'm just not picking him up. When I went back up there, the I don't remember what it was, 22nd, but it was mm-hmm. after the, it was the Monday after that bear went out. I was hunting. I was hunting that morning, and I found maybe three or four more rubs, not right next to each other, but how I thought mm-hmm. he was going to move. And I thought he's here. Like, like he's using this ridge. And I instantly moved one of my cameras to a little bit different spot. And I picked him up the second night. So I knew he didn't get blown out of there. Mm-hmm. And that gave me all the confidence. Like, okay, he's here. Game on. We need the weather and, we, and the timing to line up here. So I got in there and I hung a stand. And, uh. He had one scrape in there. I mean, the, the licking branch was like eight foot off the ground. You know what oh, I mean? Like, like it was up there. You know, and now I did have pictures of one or two other bucks in there that would get up on their hind legs and get on it. But I could see his tracks in, in it. Like I knew he was in there. So I hunted him and it was, I didn't see anything Monday. I didn't see anything Tuesday. I didn't see anything Wednesday. And this is where I'm getting to. Like you got to believe when you get to a spot, you got to believe in that stand. Um I think probably one of those nights, I think like a Tuesday afternoon, it was 75, 80 degrees. I didn't hunt. Like, I was like, I'm just, I'm not even going out tonight. Like, I'm, it wasn't like it was November 1st. It might have been, you know, October 24th or 5th. I thought, I'll give it a break. I'll give myself a break because I know here pretty soon I'm going to be sitting all day, you mm-hmm. know. So, I took that evening off. Uh, my number two buck, I went in uh, maybe two times on him just to give this buck a break. And I was hunting those other ridges, too, sometimes. So I was waiting for this stand I hung. The only thing I didn't like about it was I thought if he came down this one side of the ridge that he was going to come right at me, whether he was coming left or right. And I'm like, this is going to be bad. Like, this buck's coming right at me. How am I going to get drawn? It's going to be point blank. Even if he doesn't see me, I'm going to be shooting steep angle on him. And But I was like, I can cover a lot here, and I can keep my wind good. But I was like, man, maybe I'll chance it. And the more I sat up there, uh, I finally saw a buck in there on, I think it was Thursday morning. I finally saw a buck in there. So it was my first deer all week. And then Friday night, I saw a nice eight point, probably 18 inches. He came in. Um, so my confidence is starting to get a little better. Deer are moving. But I didn't. I still haven't seen any doe. I'm not even picking them up on camera. So I knew there were some in there because I could see tracks. You know, I could see some doe tracks. And then Saturday morning, I saw a doe. I thought, that's good. Well, Sunday morning was supposed to finally get cold. You, know, you can't hunt Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went in there Monday, and I pulled my card Monday morning, and who showed up Sunday morning? 8.45 in the morning, man. 
he's right there on that scrape, hitting that scrape. And I thought, you got to be kidding me, man. Of course, you know, that temperature dropped. Everything was perfect. And the day I'm not in there, you know, he was in there. So, you know, I stayed in there. I think I just had a, a checker for my card. You know, I, I could read her. I stayed in there all day. I didn't see anything. Tuesday was supposed to rain. So I was like, well, I think I went back Monday night. And I was just frustrated. You know, I saw a doe and two buck, you know, basically seven days of hunting. And I just said to myself, I'm like, it doesn't matter if you see 50 deer a day. I only need to see one deer. Right. It's the only deer I'm in there to see. And I know that's hard to swallow, but in all reality, if you're hunting one buck, that's the only deer you need to see. Because if I saw 50 other ones and they weren't him, I weren't shooting him anyway. Now, it would make the hunt a lot fun, you know, a lot yeah, more fun. Yeah, right. You know, but so I guess that's the way I tricked my mind into staying positive was like, you only need to see one, man. You're hunting one deer. You've been here before. It's just frustrating, man. Like when you're, you know, if you're hunting farm country, a lot of times like here, I don't see a lot of deer moving. 11 to 2 every now and again yes like if mm-hmm. it's if you know you get a hot dough or something but a lot of times you can come home you can take a nap you can eat cheeseburgers you know up there in the big woods i see a lot of bucks just randomly 11 o'clock 12 30 1 o'clock so i was sitting on my couch i sort of had a little hissy fit on my couch my buddy was up there and i'm you know i'm swearing on the couch and i'm like I was like, you know what? It's out of my system. I got it out, you know. So I went in there Tuesday. I said, I'm moving my stand Tuesday. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm not moving it far. I'm like, but just something tells me that I got to move it. I'm like, and I only wanted to move it. I was sitting there for days looking at trees. I was like, I want to move it like 30 yards. I'm like, I can still cover the same stuff, but I'm just really nervous he's going to come down this way. I was. He's like, okay. So I went in there. I'd like to do it when it rains. That way you can get in and out and wash your scent away. Right. And I'm not, I'm a big believer in when you hang a stand, like, make sure you can shoot. You know, I, a lot of guys, well, I didn't, I didn't make sure I had a shooting lane there. I didn't want to spook anything. You know, I didn't want any of my scent there. I'm like, well, I'll wear gloves just to make sure that my bare hands aren't touching sticks. But anything that I'm touching, I'm dragging away and, and putting it where I don't think that deer is going to be. Right? right. You know, because obviously they could smell that. So... Made sure I had some good shooting in there, and uh, I tried to think every possible way he could come in in scenario. But one thing you learn as a hunter is when you think you know how it's going to happen, it never happens that way. You know what I mean? They, I, yeah. they 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 do something that you're like, I never saw that coming. So I climbed in there Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday morning. We were back at camp, and I had uh, had two buddies with me up there. One was going home, and we were drinking coffee, and we got the BS and stuff, and. I look at my watch. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, it's going to be light and no time. I'm like scrambling to get my stuff. I'm like, we got to get out the door. And, uh, I, I got in there just as it was just, just before it was breaking dag. So I got up my trees. First time I'm actually in this stand and, uh, I hung it the day before and I get in there and I felt good. And I just had that, I just had a feeling. And, and I was actually on a ridge where I get rece- rece- cell reception and I texted my other buddy Ryan, who I I ended up putting him on the other my second buck because mm-hmm. I was like I knew I wasn't hunting him. And again, I'm trying to help a guy out. Right. You know, I'm like I put him in over that second buck, so he was hunting him. I texted him. I said, "Man, it just feels like they could like something could happen today." I was like, it "Just it it wasn't 30 degrees and frosty. It just finally was a little chillier, but it had a little. I think that rain just it re, you know it re-energizes you or something." Yeah. And I sent him a text. And I didn't put my phone in my pocket, and I heard a branch break. And I was like, 
that, that's got to be a deer. Like, there's no wind, there's no nothing, and I heard it again, and it was up from the way I came in. So when I was coming in, the way I was coming in, I was actually going past my stand and then coming down the ridge, and I stayed off the ridge. Like, I didn't drop down into the valley in case something was down there. It was pretty thick, but I just stayed. Anybody knows the mountains, there's like a little roll between the top and the sides. Like, yep. you can hide there. And I, I, that's how I'd walk in. And then when I'd get close to the stand, I always believed that when I cut to my stand, I just try to cut where if a deer hits my scent trail, I can shoot him. Yeah. You know, because if he cuts it where you can't shoot him and he smells you and he's like, mm, especially a mature animal, they know, man, you right. know, it's happened. That's, that's why I do this. So that's what I did that day. Well, he's coming sort of the way and I see it's a buck. So I grab my bow and... I caught a glimpse of him going through the trees. I'm like, man, it's a shooter. And I remember saying to myself, you better make sure that's a shooter because you're in here after one buck. Mm -hmm. And the caliber buck that I'm looking for was the the buck I've been dreaming about my whole life. I'm like, you better make sure. Like, you didn't, you know, sacrifice everything else all season to just shoot any decent buck back here. Mm -hmm. And here he is, and he's coming the way I thought. He's under my other tree that I just moved from. And I see his left side, and I I see it's the big eight. And I see that I see that like little sticker thing coming off, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's him! And I go right to full draw, and he's gonna come right behind me ten yards. Well, the wind's sort of like, you know how it is in the morning; it's like that your thermals are pulling down, and it's just sort of like drifting. And I'm like, holy crap! If he gets right behind me, he might blow out of here. I was like, I gotta kill him as soon as I can kill him. He's already in range. Yeah. And doesn't he's cruising like he's just looking? You know how they get before that first well, doe like comes in. Drunk. Yeah, he, he just wants that first doe to be in, but he hasn't found her yet. And he's cruising, and all of a sudden he hits where I just walked, and that couldn't have been 15 minutes. Like, and he hit it, and he just stopped. And, like, he actually ran over my scent trail, smelled it when he realized what it was, did like a 180 and turned around, and he's broadside 20 yards. And I'm full draw, and I'm, like, thinking back to 2017 when – I didn't take that shot on that other buck, which I think I could have killed him, but with the rain and stuff, I was like, why chance it? Yeah. But I'm sitting here, and I'm looking over top of my peep because it's still gray. Like, it's still pretty gray out. It's legal shooting light because it's dreary and stuff, and I'm shooting through these trees that I just, uh, you know, tried to clear out some shooting lanes the day before, and I'm like, man, I was like, it looks clear, but you know how it is when you get in a stand for the first Absolutely. time, you're like, oh, how didn't I see that branch over there? And, and then you climb down, you go clear it, or, you know, you get it the next time. And I'm like, man, it looks clear, but I can't get my pin tight on his shoulder because he's right at a tree. So I got to come back in the rib, just a, not too far, but a little bit. And I'm like, I'm not taking any chances. This buck, like, knows that a human just walked here. And I let it rip, and I saw, I just saw it hit a mid-rib, and I, I knew it was, pretty decent but i didn't think it was like instant kill and i'm like the first thought i thought of was i see him run and he ran back the way i came from and then he did like a little j hook to the right and it gets real thick down off the side and instantly my mind went to why didn't you just tuck it on the shoulder and take the chance that you know you weren't going to hit that tree you know and right i was like you could have 10 ringed mind, him you mind easily plays right and now point. i'm thinking now now you're in for a rodeo all day that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking one long liver and out the gut like that's what i'm thinking and i'm shooting a you know i shoot a i shoot a rage um i've had really good success most guys you know either love them i hear love some them, bad things kind of thing, yeah. I, i'm not going to get into the 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 topic i've had really good success so and that's why I shoot him is for, for a marginal hit. And at the time, it just happened so quick. And 
I didn't know if he was a little quarter two or a little quarter away or perfectly broadside. You know, he was pretty broadside. But I, you know how sometimes if you're just a Especially little quarter in that, two, that light, right in that light, and I was just like that. I knew that was going to change everything. So I stay up my stand. I text Ryan back, and I was just like, I just shot the big eight, and like it was one minute from when I texted him and said I think it's going to be pretty good to when I texted him and said I just shot the big eight, and he thought I was. He's like. Uh, you just texted me. I think it's going to be good. Now you're saying you shot this buck. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I'm like, no, man. You know, it happened that quick. It's amazing. And so I said, I was like, I'm, I'm staying up here. I'm not even getting down. So I stayed up there till uh, ten o'clock. And I was like, I'm just going to get down and go look at my arrow. So I went over, looked at my arrow, and it was just coated with good, the good blood you want to see. No gut, no nothing. So I was like, he must have been broadside or maybe a little quarter away. So I thought. I'm just going to take the trail up to where I saw him go over this edge. If I don't see him laying here, I'm going to just back out, go back to the cabin, eat something, hook up with Ryan. I called my other buddy that was at camp, and I said, listen, I just shot that big buck I was after. He's like, I'm not going home. I'm helping, you know. So uh, I started blood trailing him, and eh, it was a pretty decent trail. And right where I saw him J-hook and go off the side. Oh, I forgot to mention this earlier. So... Maybe two minutes after I shot him, I heard these leaves rustling. And it wasn't like a thud, and it wasn't the, the death thrash. But it was just like, could have sounded like a deer walking and, and, and leaves just hitting its side. But it never went left or right or away. It was at the same spot. And I, th- I thought, like, hey, maybe that's just him. And he laid down and then did the old, like, mini death kick. Yeah. You ever see one do yeah, that? Yeah. Like, it's real slow. And again, then your mind goes back to, well, maybe you didn't make a good shot. You know? Yeah. So... I go over and the blood trail's starting to not look so good anymore. Still good, like the like the like the color was good, but it's not as as much. Petering out it's, a little bit. And I'm like, I'm just gonna go right to here and peek. And I didn't even get right to there, and I just see this beam sticking up on the side, and I'm like, oh my god, there he is. You know, he, he was. He, if I would have just watched him, probably with my binos, I probably would have seen him in that thicket, either lay down or or die. You know, but because right away I sort of got disgusted that I didn't make you know, a, a better shot in my mind. I mean, it couldn't yeah. have been any better. He went over there and he died within two minutes, exactly. you know. <laughs> but in your mind, you know, it's like you have everything on the line of your dream buck and you've been hunting him and you've been after him. And in my mind, I guess it just went in a direction that it shouldn't have gone, but it ended up working out really good. It's a, it's a heck of a deer. I mean, when, when you brought it out and I looked at it tonight, I was like, good grief, he's bigger than it looked in the pictures. I mean, he's he's just a freak of a deer. Um I think the thing I find interesting, like, as you tell your story, like, it, it kind of seems like there was as much woodsman's, woodsmanship skills going into this deer as much, you know, or more than reliance on using cameras. I think we get so hung up on cameras. And, I mean, you use cameras, obviously, right. for this deer. But the bouncing around, I think, was what was interesting and in, in relying yep. on sign. I'll be honest with you. You know, I take uh – like every year, you can look back, and some day, years I'm like, man, I hunted my butt off, and you know, I just didn't make it happen, which yeah, that happens. Then there's some years that it does happen, but this year, I got, you know, I think every hunter has strength. There's some guys that you know, are great at whatever, you know. For me, it's always been reading sign, you know. I've killed most of my big deer, um, you know, just reading sign and understanding how animals use the mountain or the terrain or the farm. Um like I said, tracks, rubs, uh, the timing of the year, like, what you know, what are the deer doing? You know, obviously early season they're feeding and it's pre-rut, then it's rut, and, you know. But for me this year, I I let 
the couple pictures we had so far away get in my mind. And I just started going crazy looking for him over the course of three miles because I always thought, man, I got to I got to find a better spot. I got to find a better spot. And then I'd be running more cameras. And I got to the point that I was so stretched out with cameras that when I'd uh, go up to hunt him, you know, early in the year there, I'm wasting three quarters of a day just checking trail cameras. And I just had to sit down one day and go, well, what are you doing? Like, you know, he loves this one area. Well, I think he loves it. Mm. Right? To me, if you're getting a buck on camera or like you're seeing that he's in there with a rub or his tracks or whatever – um, at least two to three times a week, like he likes that area. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like eh, every two weeks I'm just coming through here. I was like, get back to what works for you. I'm like, who cares? You don't have him on camera where you want to hunt him, where you think you can kill him. You saw a rub over there. Well, now I saw two, three rubs over there, and it was four rubs. Then it was big tracks, and I'm like, so I got back to doing what works for me, which is reading sign. And also, I just think years of experience, you mm-hmm. you, you build a know-how from failures and successes of what uh, what your gut says. Like, yeah. every time my gut says it's good or bad, it could be good or bad. There's times I'm sitting in the stand and my gut's saying, dude, you should have left here three days ago. And then I'm still sitting, yeah, but my camera said this. No, man, sometimes you just got to pull up anchor and cut your losses and leave. But... That definitely helped me this year because it slowed me down. I started getting a little too quick and spread out, and I focused more on what I'm good at. You know, and that, that you know, like I said, it's everybody's good at different things. You know, there's a lot of great hunters out there, but for me, reading sign, understanding the timing, um, and, and I think a lot of hunting, no matter what game you're hunting, timing's everything. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, and 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 getting back to my basics and then using cameras, but I used them to supplement what I already knew. You know, like like getting a picture of him in there just gave me the motivation that I knew I was right and what you're thinking in your mind, your gut is right. And you saw, even though it was a night picture, except for the time he showed up there at the scrape, you know, three days before I killed him. And even when he did that, I'm like, what's the chances he's going to be back this week? I'm like, you know, because it was getting ready to blow. Eh. I, or some guys said the rut happened a little later this year. After I killed him, I came back and I hunted with my daughter. Um, I think I worked a couple of days, and then I went hunting. So mm-hmm. I wasn't in the woods to say exactly when it really started kicking off. I can tell you November second, where we were, the does weren't in yet for sure. Okay, you know, but um, yeah, it was it was using cameras to supplement how I would have hunted prior to ever having cameras. So you know? the, the stand location thing. So you said you had. I think if I if I heard you correctly, you were talking about you had two basically two primary locations picked out that you thought I'm going to spend a bulk of my time here as far as stand hours. Right. And I, I'm curious for this deer in particular, did you have those locations pretty well set before the opener of the season for this deer, or did you kind of modify that as the season was going on and fine tune that? I modify it. I mean, because every year, um, one, I don't like to put stands in because people find them and they're like boy and then especially like when you start putting deer in your meat pole at camp pe- people start knowing your truck mm-hmm. you know so that's another thing we sort of do is I'll, I'll i'll walk from my truck or get dropped off somewhere else but going back to your stands um i don't like to get committed to an area before i know a hundred percent this is where i'm mm-hmm. going to put my time in now and i'm not going to say just one stand i usually at least try to have two now i'm talking about two different ridges and i don't know what the the maybe a half mile square area. I don't mm. know. Um, and 
I had one that was sort of the he was in there, but he was in there last year and he was in there this year, but I just felt the wind was so swirly that if he was coming through, he was going to get me before I saw him or it was going to be extremely hard to get a shot at him. Um, then up on top of the ridge from there, I had a stand and actually had it ready to go that I knew when he was on that ridge, he liked to bed somewhere over there. I didn't know exactly where I didn't, I didn't look around for his bed ever, but I just knew just off of, um, cameras in the summer. And then, you know, also in the summer, I do some glassing when I'm up there. There there were some cuts not too far. It's just like here with food plots, you know, go out in a food plot or soybean field in the summer up there with clear cuts that are, you know, a couple years old and go out there and glass and see all kinds of bucks and does. And usually as soon as they die off, the deer find other brows or yeah, it's not, it's, it, yeah. And it's not thick enough that they're like hanging out in there because of, you know, security and stuff. But in the summer it draws them. Yeah, absolutely. So I knew he was staying up there when he was on that ridge, he bedded somewhere in there. And I thought I can get in there. The problem with that was for a bow, I couldn't air him down. It was like very sporadic. I could see him, but I thought it would have been likely I see him not even 50-50 if I get a shot at him. You know what I mean? Like like I thought he a million different things could have happened. And to me, as a bow hunter, you know, I like to try to have every chance I can when I see that buck because anybody knows any buck anywhere, if you're hunting one buck and one buck particularly, if you see him once, especially when you can't see in fields. Like, you know, if you're hunting a farm field, you might see him come out at the opposite end of the field. Okay, you've seen him. You can't see that in the big woods. So when you see him in the big woods, that might be the only time you see him that year. And even then, consider yourself fortunate. Um, in 20, yeah. 2020, I hunted a, a really big 10-pointer. I put 22 days on him and might have seen him once. I'm not even 100% sure. He beat me, man, straight up. I was close. I got out of my stand one day. <laughs> 12, 27, I got out of my stand, walked by the camera. And I had a buddy coming in, and I wanted to – Make sure I had another stand ready to go for him. So I was twelve twenty-seven. Need to stretch my legs. Get some, you know. I'm just uh, at that point. I was doing all day sets up there. It was cold. It was snowy. You know. I went down and uh, I pulled my camera about a week later. I'm going through the pictures and there he is, twelve thirty-nine. And I'm like, what? Wait, this got to be an old picture. Like I was there that day. I was in the stand all day. Well, not for thirty minutes. I wasn't. Oh my god. I missed him by twelve minutes. That's when you want to kill cameras. Yep, twelve twenty-seven. I walked by. 12.39, he walked by. And then at, like, 1 o'clock, I was back in my stand. Mm. <laughs> That's when you want to get rid of yeah. cameras. Oh, I wish I would have never saw that picture. But uh, so my point is um, I did have other stands ready to go, but I don't – I. it's not until I know I'm ready to start hunting yeah. that I get them there because the deer shift, you know, and even in the big woods, the food this year for us, man, there was no nuts. There was no uh, – where I was, there was no acorns or beech nut. Um Last year, there was beech nut up there, and it was a pretty good crop, and that shifted them. So you were better off just, like, hunting out of a climber, really. Unless you were hunting a certain deer, but if you were hunting an area that you could get a climber in or, like, a set of lone wolf sticks or yeah, uh, doing that until you were like, boy, this is a spot I really think that I'm going to kill him out of. And typically speaking, if I'm hunting back in pretty good, I'm not hauling a climber too much when I know I'm going to be in there often because – if it's cold, man, you're hauling a lot of gear in, a lot of gear out. You can't Spain, over yeah. you can't overdress going in. I mean, it's like I use my frame pack that I use out west to carry my stuff in in the morning because I go in pretty light. But you know, I have uh, 
I have some good heavy gear that I use to stay on stand all day. Right. But, no, to answer your question, it's not until I know it's, like, go time and I feel 100% confident that this is where I want to hunt him. And, like I said, I switched my tactics up on this buck. There wasn't that many deer in that area to begin with. And I knew I could get in and out probably without spooking deer. I mean, you never know for sure. But low probability and... I could get in there and hunt every day until we cross pass, mm. you know, what well, almost every day, you know, if it was, there was some really warm days there, I, I gave it a break. Um, but that's how I did this. I don't like setting a stand in summer or yeah. September, um, you know, I'll hang stands in the end of September, but that's to hunt early season. You know, these, these bucks generally are going to shift, you know, from their October 4th pattern to a you know, a pre-rut or a rut pattern. Oh, absolutely. And, like, the uh, – it sounded like you were doing a little bit of in-season scouting for this deer a little bit. And I'm sure that's going to – it's like you said, when, when you are when you built the confidence that you have for that deer, that's when you're going to hunt it. But, I mean, from from year to year and buck to buck, does that look different for you each season as oh, far yeah. as – yeah. So you touched base earlier about that, that really big buck you killed, and he'd just show up in the season. And it, yeah. was, it was – I've had bucks up there that uh, – they're there until the end of September, boom, gone. Don't ever see them. Then I have bucks that are never there, and then they show up uh, late September or October. I have spots that there's not a scrape or a rub on, and then all of a sudden, one week it gets hot, you know. And that's where I think just continuing to check areas mm-hmm. um, and continue to keep your thumb on what the pulse on what's going on because it, it things shift up there, whether it's pressure, food, uh, when there's not a lot of does, so when the does are going to come in the heat, um, and that's just the way I, I like to hunt. I don't like to get stuck on an area because if you get stuck, I know that sounds, I was stuck on that area, but it was, I, I would have been in there. I felt the time was right. Let's put it that right, way. Right. Yeah. Right. So when I mean stuck on an area, I'm saying for the whole season, yeah. you know, um, you, you got to adapt, you know I mean? Cause a lot of times it, it will have that really good peak action and and activity in there but it can go away and die just as easily as it's come you know it's just a matter of picking the time when the time is right get in there and hunt it now because it i hear a lot of guys i'm not going to hunt it today Uh, i got this going on but i'll hunt it next week and i'm thinking dude (laughs) yeah wrong mentality um, yeah like like you got to hunt it now they're there now um your your timing is now next week um you don't know what's going to happen you know a lot of things could happen uh but it sh- deer shifting, like we were talking about in the beginning, you know, this this buck that you killed this year and having, you know, pretty spread out where he was and the other deer in particular, how they just they just roam up there. And there's there's something about uh, big woods whitetails and their their level of just moving from one ridge to the next. And I think it's it's overwhelming. So the the, the shift that you were talking about, I mean, I think all deer have reasons why they shift. I mean, food, cover pressure uh, you know there, there's a lot of things shifting and fall patterns i mean i've seen that pretty consistently but you were talking about pressure i still say sometimes you, you said earlier in our conversation you were talking about uh a buck shifting and the area he left there was better food better better cover and he went to an area that didn't quite make sense in your mind right off the bat and I often wonder too you know if you talk to like a, a psychologist for children, they talk about how when they're young, there's certain points in their life where they're really impressionable and that stuff sticks with them. And I often wonder the same thing with the whitetail. When they're young, do do certain things happen at a young age 
relative to hunting pressure and experiences that mold them to the places that they want to go to and shift for for security you know i think i think food cover water all those things are, are part of the equation but you know those places and where a mature buck likes to call home i wonder sometimes if, if that's part of it too that's easily overlooked yeah it, it definitely could be i mean you know you just hit a good point there that buck i was referring to one of the bucks i was referring to that moved his summer pattern i mean it does get some pressure in there in rifle you know mm-hmm. to me i was thinking summertime there's there, there's really no one in there you know messing around um and it had good food but at the end of the day they're deer you know and and i think they all have their own personalities um uh, the buck i was hunting this year he's alone right i've never seen him i never had pictures of him with anything else and never saw him with anything else and i saw him i glassed him quite a bit in the summer in those cuts he was always alone mm-hmm. you know and i'm not what i mean alone there might be to say four bucks over here well he'd be 75 yards over there by himself eating you know um so i mean they all have their personalities but right. i think anything's possible you know anything's possible I have no idea why sometimes, and and that's yeah, why sometimes that's that's why sometimes I think as humans we we outthink ourselves. You know, True. Uh, you know, um, sometimes you just got to go with what's in front of you and 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 hunt. You know, and uh, this past year I don't I don't know how many I heard a couple stories of guys were theoretically you shouldn't have been in the woods. It was a hot day. It was a you know whatever moon wasn't right, and they went hunting and they shot a big buck. You know, or, oh yeah, and it's like. And then I've heard guys, well, I'm not going because of that. And I'm like, dude, it's uh, November 5th. Like, uh, you should be in the woods. <laughs> you just never know. But uh, don't outthink yourself as a hunter, man. Like, if you get a chance to go hunting, just go hunting. And you know what? It We do get caught up a lot in the kill. But to, to me, the, the the chase and just being out there, uh, even from a, everybody being busy and crazy in life, it's like just get out there and hunt sometimes and enjoy just being out there. You know, do you, don't do you lose think, sight of that. Do you think Western hunting and the scale of Western hunting and glass and big mule deer and hunting, you know, mountain to mountain, ridge to ridge in the high country, do you think that, that putting that scale has helped you hunt whitetails in Pennsylvania more? It do, I mean, anytime you're hunting, it helps you, man. You know, and especially when you're chasing big animals. Um, and I've had an opportunity to harvest a few. I think it, it's calmed me down in the moment of truth, you know, to be able to bear down and make a shot. I mean, I still... I still get pretty excited. Like I'm not gonna lie. Well, you if know? you quit doing yeah. that, you're probably gonna quit, right? <laughs> you know, but I think I can. I, I have a little bit better that I can focus. But I think anytime you can hunt, I don't care what you're hunting. And and that that's one thing I I tell. There's some guys that I know that are just huge whitetail hunters. And like I said, that's where I cut my teeth. I still love it. I come back here every year and spend three or four weeks mm-hmm. every fall between archery and, and rifle chasing them. And it's like you don't forget where you came from. But there's so many other animals out there to hunt that will teach you that you aren't as good of a hunter as you think you are because you got to hunt them differently. You know, that you got to learn their behaviors mm-hmm. and their, their, and it's not that it's rocket science. It's just, you're learning something new, you know, getting it's, outside of your, comfort right. You're zone getting outside of your comfort zone. So like mule deer, you know, and, and especially a wily mule deer, you know, and you know, an older mule deer, I mean, they don't miss nothing, man. The, the ears, their hearing ability is crazy. Their eyesight is nuts. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, they got mountain lions stalking them. Um, so, you know, same with elk. Um, you know, I went mountain lion hunting in 2018, and before I went that year, I thought, oh, this is going to be a stupid hunt. You know, you release some dogs out and, you know, shoot something out of a tree, and, you know, I don't know if I'm into that. And then my buddy that I met out there ran dogs, and 
you know, we got to talking and the way he explained it, he's like, dude, um, it's not quite like that. And I went and I did it and it completely changed my perspective of it because I actually went and did it. And, uh, it was just, the experience teaches you a lot that you don't know. And you're like, man, I'm so glad I did this just because of a new, you know, it, it just is another feather in your cap of mm-hmm. what you did and how you can get better. And you can draw off of some of those things of, you know, what may or may not work or, but anytime you can hunt and harvest animals, it doesn't matter what it is. It's making you better, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what we forget. I mean, if you go 10 years without shooting anything and you're like, you still got to seal the deal when you shoot something. Like how many guys do you know? Oh, the big one got away or I missed or whatever the excuse is. You, they didn't get it. And, mm-hmm. and to me, well, if you would have been shooting, heck, if you just would have been, went out and shot groundhogs, you know, with your bow or, or your rifle or your twenty two, and and that all makes you better, man. Absolutely. You know, and then that's what I do with my kids with twenty twos. You know, we're shooting cans and targets and just that. I know myself, you know, I, I concentrate so much on the bow, but when I switch over to the gun, I always get the twenty two out and just plug some things just to get that trigger pull and that mm-hmm. follow through and and uh, I think any experience makes you better if you can get out there. Well, that's just it. So, like, experience gets you better. I want, I'm, I want to touch on something because you were talking about building confidence in a spot, and I, I do this myself, too, when you go in a spot, like, second-guessing yourself, you know, and not having the confidence that this is the spot I need to be in. And, like, I, I've noticed that, you know, educated hunters or experienced hunters, you know, get to that point where they believe that and they're going to ride that out. And I think that's good for your mental health too. But uh, there, there, there's something to that in, in just the overall success. And I think one way that I think you get there is getting outside of your comfort zone because you're never going to have those experiences to mold that confidence right. if you don't get outside your comfort zone. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. It's funny you say that because uh, my wife, Becky, uh, you know, I have a teenage daughter, and I and you know, I don't, we were talking about confidence and getting out your outside your comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. And she said to me, she goes, well, I don't know, maybe you just always had it. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. I'm like, I failed and messed up a lot of things in my life. But I thought about that, and I'm like, yeah, I think it's that you get outside your comfort zone. And even if you make mistakes, you just keep pushing through until you have success, and then that's what makes confidence. You know, you just don't wake up one day and – you're confident, you know, you, the confidence comes from experience, you know, it comes from, um, learning from your failures and then having a positive experience and seeing success. And that's where confidence comes from. And, um, you know, I wish they taught a course in school that was all about mental health and mental strength, because you can have strength and conditioning courses and, we don't have that in a great sense for your mental health aspect of it. And you can't, it, it, it's, I don't know how somebody could enlighten me, how you teach um, someone to be driven to do things outside your comfort zone. Like that, that's not, that's not a, a learned thing. Right. Yeah. I think it can go the other way. If you don't allow kids to get outside their comfort zone or fail, they don't know what it's like to push through something, you know, or even a person, even a human, you know, mm. and, um, and I don't know if I ever set out to purposely fail or purposely get outside my comfort zone. I think it was more like, Hey, I really want to do this. And you start doing it and you don't feel comfortable and you're like, but I have a goal. And if I want to get to that goal, whether it's in hunting or in business or, you know, whatever, um, you know, you know, girlfriend, you know what I mean? Your wife, like you're mm-hmm. afraid to approach them at first, right? Like, yeah. Most people don't just walk up and they're introduce themselves like, like, like it's no problem. I mean, 
you got to get outside your comfort zone. Yeah, every now and then you're yeah. going to find that one woman that's having a bad day, and you introduce yourself, and then she decides to get married <laughs> to you. I mean, that's what happened yeah. to me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They feel sorry for you or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's that's a good point. I mean, I think if people just get outside their comfort zone and try things, you know, um, it makes you better. You yeah, know? like so, like when we like, we showed up, you were walking around. You were like, "Man, I I I threw my back out like right now. My my back's bugging me." And uh, you were talking about you know getting back in physical shape and, and or trying to push the envelope on physical shape and stuff. And like that's where I'm at too. Like I I feel like I'm stagnant lately. I want to get back, you know, doing more things actively. But like that mental blocky to just get outside your comfort zone and make a section of the day whether that's to get up early or before you do this in the evening or whatever to just do that one thing like that it's that first step that's so stinking hard to do then and, and you can translate that into whitetails like i'm thinking about um my my progression in in having confidence in some of the stands i want to choose whether it's just for generally hunting a mature buck um it's you got to get out of your comfort zone and try something until you you figure it out i think yeah no I, most of life is just getting out the door, you know, just get out the door. And, and I always said, uh, I was in sales for a couple of years, you know, before, you know, I got into what I'm in now, law enforcement. And, uh, the hardest thing was just getting the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't, it was just getting out the door in the morning. And then, you know, uh, once I got going, you know, and I always said a body at rest stays at rest, body in motion stays in motion. And it's, mm-hmm. it's true. It's true even at work now or, you know, anything I do, like even waking up in the morning, man, if I'm sitting around just watching TV and I never move, well, that's all I'm going to do. But if I get up, I get my coffee and, you know, I go hit the gym or I go for a walk on my day off or whatever you're doing, just get out the door, mm-hmm. you know, and that that's, even there's days I get up and I don't want to go to the gym. I'm like, man, I'm not feeling it. I'm sore. I'm tired. Or I hit it five days in a row. And a lot of times if I just get there, I'm fine, yeah. you know, to just get there. And, uh, you know, so. Well, let me ask you this: at this point in your life, with with your hunting career, family, and everything else that you're at, like, where at this point in your life, what what motivates you the most? Man, like right now, I'm 41. I feel like, uh, you know, I still got a lot of good years to come. But yeah, um, 41 in my mind, still young. And yeah. I know I'm younger than you. The difference between you and me is I'm young and dumb yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I don't know if I I don't know if I'm not you know uh, too far behind you there. I mean, I still do some questionable things without a doubt. I can just ask my buddies, but uh, you know, I mean, what motivates me, man? I just keep setting goals. You know, mm-hmm. I keep having dreams, and and you know, like I said, I love to hunt. You know, and and um, uh, you know, I just accomplished a dream this year, shooting you know a big woods buck like I shot. And like like I said, I had a couple. You can see in a couple pretty pretty good ones Heck, you know yeah absolutely. but you know this one here um yeah, i could he's, beat him someday he's but another level yeah i could beat him someday but it's not i'm not gonna say it's not important to me because that's done that's sort of not my dna but it to now I, I am thinking of the next thing i got a i got a moose hunt coming up in alaska in 20 what's this year 2023 next year it's next september wow. you know i'm looking forward to that um i'm looking forward to um getting back out west and and really you know punching a tag on a big old mule deer and elk again i'm really itching to hunt elk again you know i got a bunch of points for antelope never antelope hunted but i got a bunch of points for them in wyoming you know i should probably cash those in and i'm actually my daughter's a senior this year um i don't want to miss too much for a field hockey season so like i'll I'll make an early season trip for probably two weeks Mm -hmm. um when their season really isn't going yet and then uh 
that will probably be it for out west unless I get crazy lucky and draw some, you know, statistically poor chance of a tag, you know, draw odds um, mm-hmm. on some crazy good tag that I'll put in for that I probably won't get. But, um, I mean, yeah, that's just it, you know. And then yeah, my youngest daughter got into hunting last year. I didn't know if she'd ever hunt, you know, so I'm looking forward to hunting her, with her this year. And I, I think that's what's just important, just set goals, whatever it is. And for me, I'm, I just like to set goals, you know, and it doesn't always have to be. Uh, I do set goals for animals and hunts that I go on but you know right now uh you know with my kids I love hunting with them mm-hmm. um you know my buddies um I got a you know my best friend was coaching football for uh geez years his kids are are all I think gonna finally be one's done with college or soon done with college the other one's going to college but anyway he's done coaching football he's done with all this summer travel and he can finally get out west and hunt again you know that'd be a great if I could hook up with him and be there for his first elk kill you know, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. You know, that, that's sort of, but, uh, that's all things you got to make happen, you know? Um, and you know, with having a family here of my own, it's that balance. Um, but that's what I would tell anybody that's going to go out West or do any traveling when you're hunting, just make sure home's good before you leave. You yeah. Know? Cause you were talking, you told me that before too, like at having that, uh, having stuff like you don't want to be in the mental state of worrying about something else when you're trying to focus in, because I mean, it, you you put the investment in to prepare you put the investment in financially like you don't you want to be all there upstairs when it's game time yeah and having that at home i mean that's probably why i harp on it so much you know i'll be open and honest you know this this past fall for me and and my wife and family it was rough just because we're, we're juggling this new schedule and a, and a new kid for this this past year and it was just a huge link and i'll be flat out my communication was was poor right and, you know that all that f- adds up yeah um and uh i I think that's probably where my motivation might have lacked in certain points throughout the season just because i wasn't on the same page with my wife and like i said back to priorities that has to be my priority right and and i think that's big yeah it's big you don't want to leave with uh you want to leave on good terms with your kids with your wife you want to you know when you're spending money to go on these hunts and you know i do all my hunts, so there'll come a time when I'll take a guided hunt, you know, yeah. right? And I have nothing against it. Uh, the reason I don't, I do it on my own is I just like it. I like it more, but I can hunt more, you know. And instead of spending just say ten grand with a guide, I can go on five or six self-guided hunts, you know. Um, but as I just make sure I took them on good, nice vacations or we had a good summer and, and that way I don't feel bad. Well, Hey, I'm, I'm taking this hunting trip, but I didn't take them anywhere this summer. Like I couldn't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I make sure they were taken care of for the year for, um, uh, life experiences, you know, vacation or going up to the, the cabin or, you know, whatever we're doing, visiting family and friends, doing things in the summer, make sure all the bills are taken care of, make sure you've been spending time with them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I, I told you before, I mean, generally when I go out west, it's 10 to, 10, 10 to 28 days, you know, something like that. I've, I haven't, I think 28 was the longest, I think 25, 25, 28 was the longest I went. Um, and at one point there, I flew back for my daughter's birthday, went to the airport, three-day fly back. I don't want to miss her birthday. And then I flew back. And that that was a good mental pick-me-up, man. Yeah. And I ended up, that was the year I killed, I killed that buck. And then I hunted with, uh, that was the last time my best friend I was telling you about was out west. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, we, I called a bull in for him that last day, come right in. And it was like, 
I don't remember, 30 yards or 25. I mean, right there, top pin pretty much, you know, with the compounds, the way they shoot. And he was just facing us. Would not. He, it was more not, not like even like dead on where he could, you know, shoot, you know, right there that uh, saw spot. Yeah. Like right in the, right in the above chest that clavicle the there between It was the more shoulders. like quartering to, and, man, he just couldn't make it happen. You know, couldn't take the shot, man. It, it would have been all shoulder. But uh, that was the last time he was out. And then I went home for her birthday, and then I had my elk tag. And I went back and I killed that 300-inch six by six, mm-hmm. you know, and that that was that was awesome. And then my buddy was out. My other buddy was out. He killed a five by five. I was, you know, there when he killed that. So it was it was a good pick me up. But yeah, you take care of home. You know, whether it's a wife, kids, a business. So when you leave, your phone's not ringing or you're not feeling bad because you know there's going to be a point in time at your hunt you're going to be sore, you're going to be tired, and you're going to think about things because. You don't have TV and radios and stuff going on. You'll be in a, a tent for seven or eight days at some point, and you'll be sitting there going. You, you'll feel bad about things you didn't think mm-hmm. about before, and that can definitely take away from your hunt and your, your uh, I don't want to say your determination, but your your will, your, uh, I, can't, I can't think of the word right now. I, I know, I know exactly along your the Your spirit of the hunt, like, 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 like your spirit and your focus on that hunt, it will take from it, and, mm-hmm. and, Sometimes you need to be focused because your opportunity is just, it's fast, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to recognize it. I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes hunting elk. I mean, hunting elk's always a a learning curve. Every time I'm in there, I'm learning. But, I mean, I, I think of all the mistakes, I mean, most of them were because of inaction, not action. Like with whitetail, it's a lot of times like, oh, I drew too early or I went too far and spooked them. Or, you know, with elk, it was like I sat back and I didn't recognize opportunities and, I should have ran right in there, or I should have snuck up, or I should have did this, or I should have did that. Well, instead, I was like, oh, we'll play out. And, it, you know, if your mind's not right in picking up those uh, cues, I those guess. cues, because you're thinking about whatever problem you have at home, or maybe the wife called you and left a nasty message, um, it's it's not going to be good. So, yeah, take t- take care of home before you leave. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I, I've been, I've t- been – been beating a dead horse in a sense and talking about this a lot and i think part of the reason for it is because every single one of us can relate to that and i think it's one of the things that gets so overlooked when we're talking about the world of being uh better hunters and you know you know better better everything so to speak but it's it's really important to me and you know i i, I think you hit that home so we've uh we've been rambling here and i want to be i want to be you know really uh you know i, I, I want to re- respect your time here but uh this is uh, this has been a blast. Thank you for for sharing this story on a heck of a buck. I mean that's a that's a that's a dandy if there ever was one, man. I, I hope you uh, I hope you can find a deer like that again because that's, that's yeah. I probably appreciate it, man. And I always hope I can too. But you know I don't take it for granted because you know you're a hunter and anybody else out there is a hunter, man. There's nothing you know every year's different, and uh, you know I definitely uh, you know very grateful that i found a deer yet alone got to kill a deer like that in pennsylvania here so uh i appreciate you having me on man and you know hunting i i could sit here and talk all night about hunting that's the problem <laughs> yeah you and me both but that comes back to that thing and we both got to work tomorrow so yep hey let's wrap this up um thanks again dj yep thank you <laughs>